Welcome to the Echo Cast, episode 49. I am Bond Diesel, aka Morgan, aka Bon Bon, aka Daddy Diesel, aka guy who puts his nose in places where he shouldn't and won't stop because that's just who I am. I'm sorry. Kind of. Anyways. Let's start it off with a state of the game recap. If you don't already know, this is the Division and now Division 2 based podcast. We don't get to talk about state of the game very much, at least not recently. But coming up on the one year, we are able to get back to it and talk about state of the game again. So here we go. In State of the Game, we talked about, or they talked about, how the DLCs are going to work for Division 2 for Year 1. The DLC episodes will be 1, 2, and 3. They gave a timeline. I'm going to be straight up. I did a bad job on my script today, and I don't have those rough dates. But I want to say, I know there's one late in the year, in the winter. There's going to be one, I believe, in the fall, and then one during the summer. So episode one will be based on the outskirts of DC. They didn't really say what that means or what type of activities that will include. I'm going to assume this will be a straight map expansion and we will basically have a new neighborhood to check out, maybe even a whole new zone, essentially. I assume that will probably not be a new faction, but maybe if we get new factions, I have a feeling that won't be until a year two or three. Assuming there will be those, but we'll talk about that. Uh, episode two was very clearly stated as being uh, as taking place at the Pentagon. Um, I actually made some videos about this uh, before the game came out or before we learned more about the game. And I kind of expressed how cool I thought this would be. And I'm really excited. Uh, to see what that means i want to say this is almost guaranteed to be a underground ish type of mode where we go to the pentagon um maybe there's like a forward base that we go to that we travel to and then we can start missions from there um i highly suspect and hope that it's a much more complicated version of the underground Uh, i actually like the underground in division one a lot um but more because of a dumb fun and not really because it's like this deep, meaningful gameplay. So we'll see. Episode three was pretty vague and it basically just talked about it kind of wrapping up year one and preparing for the future. Uh, the interesting thing about it though is that the artwork on this one actually was blurred out besides the agent in the foreground, which had a gas mask on or a, you know, a virus mask or whatever. So, uh, a lot of people, including myself, believe this is some kind of hint or that there's some assumption this will be uh, the next step or the evolution of the underground. Or not, the, not the underground, she's old Pete. Survival. I really blew that, didn't I? So, um, I, I really, I'm a little worried that if it isn't basically just survival in Division 2, people are going to be worried or not like it. Uh, I, I think as with seems like most things in division two i'm really hoping people go into it with an open mind and realize that 
if they just copy and pasted something from division one into two one it would be kind of a letdown and two it would just be kind of a waste of our time so as with almost everything else uh, i expect this to be some kind of evolution from division one and i hope i'm right something like that would be really good and would get people pretty hyped up in my opinion uh, they did say that all of these episodes in some capacity will have new story missions i believe they said two missions per dlc i could be wrong uh we'll have some type of map map expansion through season one or year one uh and new game modes and so on so the one thing i think i want to point out and, and at least get people thinking about already is that this is for year one this is the free year one content right and i think what people need to keep in mind is what that probably means is that for year two, uh, there's probably gonna be a paid year two. Uh, and I think that's okay. Uh, if, if year two is in a similar vein as this, where we're gonna get multiple episodes of new content with new narrative and new everything, um, I, I, th I think that's acceptable. You know, if they charge, I don't know, 30, maybe 40 bucks, I think anything past that might be a bit much, but we'll have to see what it brings. I, I think that's what we should expect. I still expect that they'll probably do some kind of free content for people past year one so that people aren't completely alienated. But um, I, I also believe it would be a little silly to expect them uh, to completely not use, um, you know, to, to not have some kind of paid system moving forward. It's honestly what I wanted and called for in Division 1, but I think uh, many factors... Uh, kind of prevented this type of system from ever working in division one uh, maybe a lack of foresight but also a significant departure from what i assume their original plans were with division one so it looks like they're getting to implement what they probably originally wanted to do with the first game and i am super pumped then they talked about strongholds a bit um then in the end game these strongholds allow you to climb the world tiers uh, with the final one being the tidal basin which sends you to world tier 5 and will not be out at lunch we will talk about this in another section because it has been quite the topic and i go figure have an opinion that probably differs with most others on it uh, they talked a little bit about the 1 to 30 activities the open world side missions enemies and so on um, and how they will scale once you hit end game. Uh, so again, I think I talked about this before, but I think there was some thought that only the Black Tusk was going to be this end game difficulty and that the other factions wouldn't matter anymore. Um, but they clarified once again that uh, the, the Black Tusk will not only be trying to push in on shade territory, but push in on the territory, on the settlements, and push in on the other uh, NPCs and, and factions as well. So. Um, it appears it's going to turn into this big faction war basically at end game and we'll have to manage it and be a part of it uh, they talk about raids very briefly they kind of basically just discussed um how it was going to be eight players um the big thing i think they confirmed which i think they've talked about before was how the raids would um, all release for everyone at the exact same time. So there's no early access on the raids. There's nothing like that. Um, what this means, though, uh, what they hinted to was some kind of like world's first competition, which is what I think everyone wanted, which is really cool. What I'm afraid of, though, is that what this is probably going to mean is that they're going to release it at probably 
my guess is that they'll probably look at the analytics and figure out what region or what time zones have the most players. Uh, they'll probably have the raid release at a decent time for those people. And then from there, it's going to just kind of depend on what you can do and where you live. Unfortunately, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some particular regions of the world that this raid drops at like three in the morning and um, or even worse, honestly, in my opinion, if it's on the weekend and it drops at two or three in the morning, I'll jump on and play. That doesn't bother me one bit. What I'm more worried of is that they're going to drop the raid on like a Tuesday and here in the States, I mean, if they drop it anywhere between well, really any time in the morning up to, you know, three or four o'clock, I'm probably not going to take the day off to do a raid. Like, let's be straight up. I'm really excited about it. I would love to be a member of like a world's first team. Um, but uh, I also have a job and I have a home to pay for and other responsibilities. So I'm kind of curious to how they're going to work out this timing. And I assume they already realize that no matter when they release the raid, people are probably going to be upset. But we'll have to see. And we will go from there. Uh, some more stuff they talked about with year one was uh, three new specializations would be released. Uh, for all of this stuff, there was a trailer. So if you check out the official Ubisoft YouTube channels, whichever one works for you, you should be able to find it. But the specializations were not revealed, but there was one that threw kind of a Echo-ish blueprint in the trailer and some extremely unsubtle <laughs> words from Hamish that there may be a possibility one of the specializations will carry a minigun. Um, so something, I actually made a video about all of this stuff and showed, I think when people think minigun, they think of like uh, that, that giant chain gun boss from Metal Gear Solid. Um, I'm not talking about that. There's actually this uh, actually pretty small minigun uh, that uh, is, is, is able to be bought, I believe, by anyone in the United States with the proper stamps and, and, uh, and licenses. And it's, it's what, what chain guns are is uh, the, the Black Tusk heavies, they have one. Um, but the one I'm talking about is like one-fifth the size of what they use. Um, but there's essentially this, um, you, you have a, a Gatling gun, basically, in your hands, and there's a, there's, a rotating barrel that has five or six barrels and you hit a button and those barrels are rotated electronically there's a motor uh, and the way it works basically is uh, there's a there's a feed shoot uh, from a backpack that you have that feeds ammo to the minigun and as it spins it fires off rounds at a very high rate I I highly suspect this is that's gonna be a thing with one of the specializations and as silly as it may seem I actually think it could be really cool so we'll have to wait and see they talked a bit about exotics and how exotics both, I believe, gear and guns will be in the game at release. We know of, of, of some of the guns from the, the pre-order bonuses and so on, uh, but they also made sure uh, to talk about how uh, new exotics as well as weapons, gear sets, and other things would come in not only the DLCs, but also patches in between. So I find that super interesting. Uh, we actually got a little preview of a gear set which I'll talk about uh, during the Division News section of the podcast coming up here relatively soon. So the big topic they covered, which I think was really important for them to do, I honestly think it, it was uh, way too, not too late, but that it took way too long to get this info, but we have it now and let's talk about it. So monetization and Division 2. 
big topic, important topic for a lot of people. Uh, in my opinion, I actually think, uh, one, it's super important for consumers to know this info. But I also think this is important information to get out there, to get out ahead of uh, various outlets and media who tend to enjoy taking this topic and making it a, um, uh, a something sensational or, you know, certain uh, makers of content and such who will take advantage of these situations if they're given the opportunity. So. So monetization basically breaks down into two routes. So the first route would be the season pass. So for year one, you can buy the season pass separately. So you can buy the base version of the game, buy the season pass later and get the advantages. So the year one pass, they clarified, um, gives you the DLCs seven days early. It gives you new specializations instantly, which I think must mean that if you don't have the year pass, the year one, you have to unlock them probably through uh, using certain points or doing something to unlock them. But in theory, they're available to everyone at the same time. Uh, the season pass will give you eight extra classified assignments, which is basically going to give you an expanded version of the story from before. Uh, the game begins so I'm not really sure if, if you're gonna do like a time travel or something I imagine we're gonna go do missions that through echoes and other storytelling methods will we'll give some insight on things that happened uh, during the collapse of DC and so on um, and we also will get an extra bounty per week which are kind of like a expanded HVT system and extra daily projects to work on at the White House base of operations these uh, projects give you various rewards and um, bounties and stuff like that. So that will be nice. The second, the second method of monetization will be um, direct cosmetic purchases and limited time cosmetic events where you can purchase loot boxes uh, if you wish. Okay, so the old loot box word just came up. Hang in here. Listen to the full explanation. Uh, I will say now I'm not a fan of loot boxes. Uh, I think that they're dumb simply because I'm more than happy to just pay for stuff. But the way they're doing this, uh, then I, I'm happy about it. So just give me a moment. Um, so there's going to be two types of apparel caches. Uh, the main type will be called the standard apparel cache. These cannot be purchased. Um, and they can drop duplicates, but they're only earned by playing the game. You can't buy you know, keys, you can't buy anything to get these extra. All you can do is earn these by playing the game. Uh, I, it seems like these are replacing just randomly dropped cosmetic items. Uh, and so, you know, as you play through the one to 30 and just play the game in general, you're gonna get these apparel caches, which will give you shirts, scarves, hats, pants, all the, all the stuff. So. Um, so those are earned for free. Uh, the standard apparel cash items will appear on a rotation in a market to buy them directly. So say there's a hat you really want that's in the standard caches. Uh, you, you, you get a bunch of these caches, you never get it. Check the store. There will be an inability to just buy it. Um, but there's no randomness to it from a paid perspective. The other type of cash is called the apparel event cash, which will be available during limited time events that you can earn for free, just like the standard apparel cash, or that you can purchase. Uh, these will be in like a loot box form. 
Um, the thing about it is that these limited, uh, these apparel event caches um, will know what items and how many of them are in them. They will not drop duplicates. And after the event is over, the items will appear in the store to buy directly. So say it drops two items per apparel event cache and there's 20 items. Well, if you know for a fact, if you open 10 caches, you will get every item available. So if you play the game enough to open up 10 caches, you don't have to pay a penny. If you just want them instantly, then you just buy 10 caches. Um, I'm still not a giant fan of the randomness side of it, but the fact that there's no dupes from these paid caches and the fact that you can just wait until the event's over and buy the things directly, I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that there's going to be people who are still going to find a way to complain about this. Uh, there's a tiny little part of me that can kind of, I, I guess I kind of get it. It's fine. But... I think this is about as good as we could have really expected. These things are going to be in here. I am very confident saying that if it was up to the people actually making the game, they'd be more than happy to not put this crap in here. But they have to. It's part of the deal. It's above their pay grade. And I think that the way this has been implemented is really, really good. Um, I, I think it's great, personally. I hope it means that there's a ton of cosmetics. I love having tons of cosmetics. Um, I love doing it in Division 1, and I hope there's lots of cool stuff to put on my character in Division 2. So, monetization. Seems like it's okay. But we'll see how quickly I get called a shill for that opinion. Moving on, uh, the last thing they kind of talked about was how the Agent Highlights hashtag um, is still good there uh, to nominate people who are doing cool things, whether it's um, and like long form videos, cosplay, or other types of projects. Uh, that is hashtag agent highlights on Twitter. Um, they also pointed out that if people use the hashtag the division two photos, uh, they're also gonna highlight separately people's screenshots and videos and stuff they take with the, the, the new uh, screenshot tool. You know, I personally think hashtag division shots would have been, you know, probably the best hashtag for this. But, you know, I, I understand it's OK, uh, but don't forget to use that one as well. And that's my own little personal project. So that was kind of the gist of stay of the game. Uh, I thought it was really informative. I thought it was really good. Um, I, I really appreciate this kind of new attitude, a little bit of, hey, here's the information. Uh, here you go. Uh, I've seen it kind of in the streams as well that they've been doing where uh, you know, they, they brought on Ella, who I feel like is like their enforcer now. Um, today, someone was complaining about something and she just said, hey, you know, this is a process. We fixed lots of things. We haven't fixed everything. We'll try to fix as much as we can before the game comes out. Uh, and if it's not fixed when the game comes out, we'll keep trying to fix it. You know, so I, I really appreciate kind of this uh, blunt attitude a little bit that the, the, the community management team has taken um, and, and kind of has um, because I think it's totally fair for people to complain and to criticize and to express themselves. But I also think it's okay for uh, the, the team to say, hey, we hear you, but, but just because you yell louder doesn't mean that we're gonna be able to do things any faster. Um, but I do think the pressure on them is a good thing, and I think they can appreciate it too when it's done without being an asshole. So 
If you see stuff, record and report. That's my mantra. So for Division News, we actually have a decent amount. So the thing that dropped uh, yesterday, I'm recording this on Saturday, uh, GameSpot uh, gave us some details of one of the gear sets we'll be getting. Uh, so it's the True Patriot gear set. Uh, and it appears that they are going to be six piece only, which I think is a super good thing. And I'll explain here at the end. Uh, so basically this gear set, when you have it on, it will give you access to three different kinds of debuffs that you can apply to enemies, uh, red, white, and blue, go figure. So the red debuff is the centerpiece of the set. Uh, and it causes any enemy impacted to do less damage. It's kind of like Midas. If you remember that one. The white debuff grants extra armor for any allies that hit an enemy painted with the red debuff. So here's a situation where you have on this gear set, you smack one of the heavies with, um, with the red debuff and all of your friendlies hit them and now everyone has more armor. Similarly, the blue debuff speeds up your skill refresh for hitting enemies with the red debuff. Uh, so basically once you hit someone with the red debuff you get a bunch of you know your your teammates and yourself can both get get good things out of it um and once you have an enemy that has all three debuffs going on at the same time uh, the set of debuffs begins spreading to nearby enemies as well um this seems like a really great and powerful set i like where they're going with these uh, gear sets if this is kind of how it's going to work and the reason i really like it is that if it's six piece only what that means is that to get these fairly powerful uh debuffs and these fairly powerful talents that means you're giving up all of your brand set talents and all of your high-end talents uh, which is going to be substantial so you're trading uh you know six you know high-end gear uh talents plus a whole bunch of brand set talents uh, for this gear set. And I think uh, if it's done correctly, uh, that could you know, work out really, really well. So gear sets, first one seems interesting. Uh, the second bit of news here was the Wildlands Intel that dropped. They have a special operation for update going on. Uh, I made a video on this where I actually recorded all of them, but essentially there's a bunch of audio logs hidden all over the Wildlands map uh, that relate directly to the Division 2 and a story from a little girl uh, basically talking about an event that's happening uh, in Division 2 in DC that ends with a, kind of an interesting little tidbit. If you collect all of these, you end up also getting a special parachute you can use in Wildlands. Um, like I said before, if you don't play Wildlands or if you don't really want to jump in and do it, um, I did put up a video on my YouTube that you can check out and listen to the whole thing. I do think it's worth checking out. Uh, as I record this, the open beta is currently going on. Um, there are some various rewards that you can earn. Weapon skin, arm patch, two different charms for your backpack, and you just need to check out those requirements to get them. And the final thing is that the Amazon Alexa feature, uh, they're, they're giving away Division 2 branded Alexas, uh, and there is a special command if you have one, where if you say uh, Alexa open the Division network, apparently you, you get a big lore dump. So Splinter Shield has done it and said that there's a ton of info. Um, I don't have one of these and I haven't found a video uh, that gives you everything that's in it. So 
we will uh you can check it out if someone wants to record it and let me know i'd be very curious when it comes to community topics i'm going to stay kind of short because we have a few listener questions i don't want this to go on forever but uh the title basin world tier five i touched on it last week i think uh but i i i get both sides um for me um i think it would have been maybe good for them to just not announce anything about world tiers or something and then we get in there and people start playing and then we figure it out and then it just becomes something that gets added but instead people are upset that the tidal basin stronghold will not be available at launch which means that you can't get to world tier 5 at launch i suspect it will be released within a week or two but they haven't clarified that and now everyone who took any time off even People took off weeks, I guess, which was bizarre to me. Uh, as as big of a fan of this game as I am, I literally took off the 12th and 15th. Uh, and even then, I realized that may have been too much. Uh, but, you know, to each their own. Uh, and, and people seem concerned. The thing is that the people actually affected by this are going to be very, very small in number. You know, there's a prominent streamer who basically said that he wants to be able to stream this game 12 hours a day as of release. And that's fine. And I think that with all of the stuff they've added to the game, if you want to play it 12 hours a day on stream, you can. But that you may need to wait a week or two to go to World Tier 5 and start going towards that in-game gear. Um, It's interesting to me that they're so upset about it because I I don't really know why someone in the first couple days wants to be able to start grinding that for the in-game content already. I've I've come to find that there's a lot of people, especially streamers, who really don't give a damn about the game from a sense of the story or the lore or anything to do with just wanting to go in and kill people, which is fine. That's a big part of the game. Um, but I I just don't I I don't think as many people feel that way as 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 they may think do, and this isn't as big of a controversy. Um, if anything, maybe it could have just been framed as just the natural way the game's going to progress and be released. Um, I think they need to realize that with Division 1, when endgame gear was released, people abused systems to get it, exploited mechanics. Um, you know, the, the game needed to be fixed up, and unfortunately it was too late, and they didn't uh, really punish anyone for abusing things that allowed them to get gear other people couldn't simply by cheating. So between that, more than likely, maybe giving people who don't get early access a chance to catch up, uh, there's very well a chance that this title basin and world tier five content might just not be ready or it wasn't ready when it needed to be and maybe there's a slight delay there you know there's a lot of reasons i suspect it's somewhere in the middle maybe it's a little bit of each of them um the interesting thing to me is that the world tier five gear the only way it actually matters is in the occupied dz literally everywhere else you don't need it uh, in the DZ, uh, the regular DZ, and uh, the conflict modes, it's all normalized. So someone with World Tier 5 gear will be no more powerful than someone with World Tier 4. Uh, so I get it. I get that people feel like it's a waste of their time if they get through the main game and only go to World Tier 4. And I, I guess they feel like the gear they would get in World Tier 4 is useless, but... Um, I don't know. I I think it's a bit much. The reaction has been, uh, but that's simply my opinion, and I very well may be wrong. I'm sure people will be more than happy to tell me. 
Uh, we'll wrap this up with a few listener questions. First, we have Neuronix uh, asking about how excited I am to see seeing the word Pentagon uh, comes to the DLCs. I am mucho excited, and I think there's a lot of really cool both story and gameplay possibilities when it comes to the Pentagon. Um, I'm excited to see how they handle it. Bo show. Buddy LaDouche says year one pass info said that the owners will get immediate access to the new specializations as they're released. What do you think the unlock process will look like for everyone else? I briefly touched on that, but basically I think that there's probably gonna be some kind of grind you need to do. I don't know if there's like a point system uh, for you have to earn so many points to unlock the specializations. Because uh, I think that may be how it works with the first. I believe you get to unlock the first uh, specialization that you get immediately, but then after that you have to earn them. I could be wrong. Uh, I, I know I've saw I've seen some videos, but uh, I, there's just been so much info lately. So I I expect whatever you have to do to earn the second and third specializ specialization at release will be how you'll have to unlock the specializations as they come out. Uh, I assume through some kind of grind. So there's the you know the, the year one benefit is that you don't have to do that, but you still have to upgrade the the skill tree manually. And uh, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world, but I'm I'm sure some people will disagree. Uh, Doctor Who says, "What are you most excited about with the new reveal?" Um, honestly, I can't really pick. I think the strongholds sound like they're going to be really cool. Um, I like the idea of this kind of in-game content that people one don't really seem that interested in uh, but sounds like it's going to be insanely challenging even more so than the uh the occu uh, like the the occupied missions or or whatever they're called um it, it seems like those uh, the the equivalent of the legendaries uh, are not going to be even the second most challenging content it seems like they will um, be, you know, third or fourth in line, which is great behind the raids and behind these strongholds. So I think the strongholds are the thing I'm the most curious about. Uh, Tubby says, are there more social areas within TD2 um, with how much time uh, you spend on the character customization, making your agent look just right? Uh, oh man, I may have copy and pasted this badly. Um, long story short, uh, will we be able to show off our stuff to other agents? Well, uh, obviously the base of operations, we see other agents. The safe houses, we see other agents. But I'm, I'm kind of curious if the Boo has taken over, has kind of combined the, the Boo and the terminal from Division 1. Um, I, don't do, I don't think we see other agents at the settlements. I could be wrong. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe there's going to be like one other big social area somewhere. Uh, but I honestly could barely guess or even pretend like I have any idea what that may be. So I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, and finally, we have Popsicle Thief. Oh, what do you feel about the removal of gear sets and introduction of brand sets? So something I talked about before was now we know that there is a, one specific gear set. They basically, I think, confirmed that a while ago, but we hadn't heard much about it. Um, I actually think gear sets will be very well countered and kept um, at bay with, with brand sets and high-end gear talents. So I, I think having both systems and especially making gear sets be six-piece only where you have to completely commit to a gear set 
um, and give up all of your brand set and high-end and exotic talents on your gear uh, in order to use the gear set. I think that's a really good way of giving us gear sets that are maybe really specialized or very powerful but limited in a way uh, and, and really making you choose like, well, do I want this gear set with this fairly narrow but very powerful way of use or do i want to stick with my brand set and my high ends and my exotics and and just stick with that uh, that more flexibility and that customization so um i i think this new way that they're doing it is going to be really good and i'm excited to see how they balance things out you know i don't expect it to be perfect at release but i do think it'll be better than what we saw in division one where the high-end gear was so bad that people basically forgot about it as soon as striker got released so so yeah there you go thanks for the questions um if you want to ask more questions check out you can always ask me on twitter um, but my discord which there should be links all over the place for including my twitter um is a is a great place to ask i have a whole section in there just for asking questions for the echo cast you can also check out the bullets and beer discord which um, involves the sit rep radio podcast um, the bombshell jackets bombcast uh, <laughs> podcast as well as a bunch of others so it's kind of a it's a great podcast hub for sure uh if you like the podcast please follow on whatever platform you're using if you're on itunes please 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 rate the podcast and leave a review it helps other people find me and it helps me get promoted on there if you check out the podcast on youtube and you want to see more of these uh, please subscribe to the channel like the video and comment below uh, and, and let me know what you think about the episode and what you agree with and what you don't. You can find me on Twitch where I stream multiple times a week and on Twitter, both as Bond Diesel. And you can find links to all of those pages as well as a bunch of other stuff uh, on my Twitter. Uh, and that's about it. So that's all I have. I'll see you again next week. And until next time.